0: Well, after
1: a week off, I was on vacation. Uh, It's been a long off-season. I would like to welcome everybody to the 2022 training camp edition of Necessary Roughness. TJ, are you ready for football season to be here, finally?
2: It finally feels like it's here, doesn't it? I mean, you have pretty much every team across, all 32 teams across the country, um, some reported last week, but as of today, July 26th, I think you have every team now with full squad reporting, veterans in- included. A lot yeah. of rookies have been there for a couple days, but this is, uh, this is a great time of year for us. We've been waiting so long. I remember talking about the draft and talking about the combine, and here we are. We are pretty much at the start of preseason football.
1: Yeah, uh, and today is the day that actually veterans report for the Detroit Lions. The first on-field practice, helmets and skirts, will probably happen tomorrow. Um, Stoney and I are going to be doing the show. I know you're going to be down at Allen Park uh, quite a bit over the next couple of weeks, and it really is exciting. And there's, there's a lot of excitement around the Detroit Lions because it's year two of Dan Campbell year two of Brad Holmes, and the fact that we liked his draft, his, his initial draft, and, and the fact that they found a Monroe St. Brown late in the draft, we're, we're hoping that Derek Barnes takes a step forward. This year, obviously, with Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, Jamison Williams, the question is going to be, when is he going to be back? What type of impact will he have this year? But going out, signing some free agents like a DJ Shark, and, and honestly, just getting players back. Health. There's a few players that are going to start the year on the pup. Uh, Romeo Okwara is one of those. Uh, Josh Paschal is not going to be out at practice, the 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 second round pick for the Detroit Lions. But for the most part, guys are going to be back. Um, you know, Jeff Okuda, we're going to get a chance to see him and his new number, his third number in three years, uh, which I think is totally irrelevant but <laughs> some people are interested in in some of those things but um what was reporting day like for you as a player it's the first day of school you know <laughs>
2: you wake up a little bit early you got the little jitters going uh you're excited to see your buddies you know that you haven't seen uh, for really it's only been about what five or six weeks now since they just broke uh you know train or, or mini camp and otas and all that but um First day was always fun. It's uh, it, the energy is always high. Um, you know, it's 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 just, it's just a great vibe. There's 32 teams right now that I guarantee you their first meeting today is going to be about you know winning the Super Bowl. Now we we all know that there's probably five or six that have a legit chance, and yeah. you know five or six that have absolutely no chance, and then everybody else kind of right in the middle. But there there's there's 32 teams out there right now where um, this is going to be. Uh, the highest optimism for a lot of teams, you're going to feel the rest of the season. And for a player, I mean, I always used to tell guys, "This is the best your body's going to feel for the next nine months. Yes. So you better you better enjoy it." But the first day was always great, just getting back in the building, um, going through some administrative stuff, the physicals, the yeah. the meetings, the security meetings, all that stuff. But uh, it's training camp's a lot different than it used to be, John. And I say oh. this because I had a little old school, uh, you know, my first couple years before the new CBA in oh nine ten where you know, now guys, you get like three or four days of helmets and shells and you kind of loosen up a little bit. And before I remember, man, I think it was my rookie year. The first day we were full packs, three hours, you know, goal line. Here we go. Let's see who wants to make this. And not only that, but it would
1: be, I mean this, and, and obviously I go back a lot further than you do. My rookie year was in 99. We reported like middle of July and, and training camp was longer and it, This whole, you can only have one padded practice and then the next one has to be non-padded was not a thing. We'd have a padded practice in the morning. You'd weigh in, weigh out. Uh, That was very important because of obviously dehydration. You would rest up. You'd watch some film and then you'd go back. You'd strap the pads back on. They'd still be wet and sweaty from the morning practice. And you would go back out there, do the same thing. And you would do that day after day after day. Now I understand why they've backed off on that, especially with the contracts that we're seeing. By the way, I do want to get your take on the Kyler Murray contract uh, here in just a minute before mm-hmm. we get to more Lions-specific news. But it's a it's a big deal going on in the NFL right now. But it was it has obviously evolved. And I think for the better, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, back when I played, we did it, we were tougher, we built up the callus, we did all that. I think it is, we evolved for a reason, and that is, you're paying players a lot more money right now. There's a lot more guaranteed money. You want those players to be able to play a now 17-game season, so training camp needed to adjust. The off-season needed to adjust. Those were all things that the the Players Association fought for, battled for, won Uh, And I think it's for the betterment of the game. Now, you might also make the argument that technique, you know, especially in the early stages of the season, may not be as refined as maybe it once was, but you also have more of your star players actually making the season instead of being out with you know, nagging injuries that happen during training camp.
2: Yeah, and a lot of it is, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, just how far, you know, sports science has come. You know, all the testing, all the little sensors that guys wear on their pads now, all the sleep studies. And Did you ever have sensors and, and uh, all I mean, that stuff attached to you? We had to wear them. Like, my last couple of years, I think they started really – I want to say maybe 2015 or 16 was when I was like, whoa, what is all this technology doing on the field, you know? And even yeah. during games, I mean, they just track – every single movement in, in, in your, your your heart rate and all that, your blood pressure. And, um, you know, so that's come a long way, obviously. Um, I think also, you know, you have a lot, a lot of young coaches in the NFL now um, that realize you don't need to, you know, it's not like the – God, the Bear Bryant days where you're going out there for four hours and that's how you build toughness and that's yeah. how you, you know, build a team and, yeah. and bond. Like no you don't water. have to do that. You don't, I mean, you don't need water. Yeah, no water, no fun. Like, You don't have to do that now. Um, and I think team, you know, coaches, uh, the young coaches are, are especially starting to, uh, starting to realize that you don't got to beat the guys into the ground every single day just to, you know, build character and build that toughness attitude. I mean, if you got a team of, full of uh, professionals that aren't tough, maybe they don't maybe they don't belong in the NFL. You know, everybody's yeah. tough. Everybody knows how to do their job. Everybody's professional, so you don't got to kill the guys anymore. So a lot of that is, uh, I credit it to the sports science aspect of it. Um, you know, showing that you know that you don't always have to do, you don't always have to just beat the hell out of your body, uh, and you know. Drive everything into overkill, you know, to get the results you want. You can all, you can, you can do get a lot of those same results with, you know, maybe doing a little bit less. And uh, I think, like you said, teams' number one goal now seems to be, and even looking at the preseason games, I mean, the star players, the starters, they don't play a whole lot You're unless only you have any three of them anyway. Yeah, unless you have a new system or a new coaching staff, whatever it is, where you need the reps. But uh, a lot of those guys don't play because teams know how important it is just to get to week one healthy.
1: Well, especially your starting quarterback, you want to make sure that they remain healthy. And it's interesting that I'm going to use that as a transition from, you mentioned everyone's a pro. Everyone knows what they've got to do to get ready. Um, It's not always the case. Everyone is a pro because they are being paid to play a sport. So by definition, they're a professional athlete. But There are some that know, hey, I'm going to have to study some film. I'm going to have to spend a little extra time in the training room. I'm going to have to do things individually to improve myself, in turn to improve the team, and hopefully to win more games, ultimately a championship. Yeah. Kyler Murray signed a new contract after only three years in the NFL, and Arizona can do whatever the hell they want with their money. I am of the belief that Unless you win a Super Bowl in your first three years, there's still more to prove, there's still more to learn to be a professional, and the best way to go about it, on the field, off the field, and leading your team, especially from the quarterback position. There's an interesting clause in his contract. <laughs> uh, and it's Such a red flag, isn't it? Oh my I mean, god. Just, I'll let you... Um, and it, I, so I've read the contract or at least this, this clause, reports, whatever. yeah And I'm not going to belabor all of the legal terms, legal ease. As I read it, it basically says outside of team activity and team activity is on the field, off the field. If you're watching film with your team, it's led by a coach meetings. Doesn't count as independent study. Anything outside of that that you would do individually to improve and study and get ready for your opponent, Kyler Murray is mandated by his contract that he has to have four hours of independent study every game or every week during the season. Now, the bye week, he doesn't need to have his four And I would argue that that probably is the week that you should do more film study, More self-study more than anything, yeah. Um, but they put it in his contract that they're going to monitor for four hours every single week that he has to study his opponent himself, the game of football, outside of organized team activities. I don't get it. I am, I'm actually disgusted by a a number of things of this, but for a guy that at the end of the year last year, and I know he was coming off an injury, so I, I, I understand that context, but his body language, we saw it here in Detroit, we saw it for the last four weeks of the season, we saw it in his playoff game where they got absolutely boat raced by the Rams, that he he couldn't have cared less. Yeah. He was pouting on the sidelines. He sat away from his team. That, to me, is not a guy that I'm all fired up to pay $230 million to. I'm also not going to put a clause in there. If you're going to earn that contract, teams want to pay their players. They want guys... Especially
2: young quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, that's, that's the most valued position, I think, in all of sports. Yeah. But to have to be incentivized to work on your leadership skills, to work on just going out there and watching film, what you should be doing anyway as a professional, I think it one sets a bad precedent for the rest of the league and the rest of the teams, which I'm surprised the union has allowed this. That's that's one of the things I'm disappointed in. But I'm also disappointed in the fact that you've got a guy who you think could be your franchise quarterback, who you want to be your franchise quarterback. You still have them under contract for two years. And instead of saying, you go out there and here's a list of 10 things that we want you to do this year. If you do all of those 10 things, now it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to win. All I'm concerned about is you as an individual and how you lead our team, how you conduct yourself as a professional. You do these 10 things and then we'll talk about that that contract extension. Yeah. We want to give you two hundred thirty million dollars.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I was absolutely blown away when I saw that part of it. I, I was blown away when I saw that he had signed an extension to begin with. Um, yeah. But when then that came out, that that just told me that they don't trust the guy. There's no way you put that in if he has been. How do you a give two hundred thirty million dollars
1: pro- to a guy you there, don't trust? There,
2: there's. A, who knows? Teams do a lot of stupid. And I told you, I think I I don't know if it was on this podcast or if it was uh, during your other show, and you know, towards the end of last season, I said I would not want Kyler Murray on my football team. No, that guy just he does not look like he wants to play football at the most important position in the game. Yeah, um, but th- that tells me that you know they they don't trust him because there's no way you put that in if he had been doing this, you know, the the previous three years. And I disagree with you and on, on you know. If you give a guy an extension after, if he hasn't won a Super Bowl after three years, I don't think necessarily you need to win a Super Bowl. But what you do need to see is three years of continuous improvement. And you need to see at least, okay, we project this guy to take another big step in year four. This guy is clearly a franchise quarterback. Kyler Murray hasn't done that. Uh, But when you see that clause, that tells me he he hasn't been a professional. They're basically forcing him now to earn his money by watching film. Four hours of film. That's like the bare minimum you should be oh. doing either it's like an hour home, a day in the morning before meetings start. Uh, I mean, I knew guys, you know, here in Detroit, we had long, you know, some, some guys had a long commute. They would, uh, you know, wife would pick them up just so they could spend that hour in the car watching film, you know, because you don't want to waste any of those precious stuff. That tells me he hasn't been doing the right things. And that, to me, is the biggest
0: concern to say. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential?
2: There's no way you would put this. Th- th- we've never heard of a clause like this before no. in the NFL. You have to watch film. You have to study your playbook, or else you're not going to get paid. Like that's just expected of you, especially yeah. when you're a starting quarterback. So that tells me that he hasn't been watching the film. He hasn't been doing the uh, uh, the, the the necessary work outside of um, you know the required work period of time where you in the facility to get better. Because there's ways, John you know, when the iPads came out, I know this was well after your time, but yes. you know, even my first, gosh, three four years in the NFL, you had these big binders, you know, and every day you'd come in and you'd get a new 30-40 sheets to put in. Hey, this is the third down uh, you know, packet. Hey, this is the short yardage packet. Hey, this is uh, you know, whatever, the red zone packet and you got to put it in your binder and you got to keep track of it. Now that you switch to the iPads everything, it's so much more convenient but yeah. as players, well we didn't know and kind of a funny story we come in one day and up on the big screen you know in the team meeting it's got everybody's name and then it's got like a time listed next to it and we're all sitting there trying to figure out what the hell it is well the team tracks your ipad usage oh wow we came in and there was a couple guys sitting at like 10 minutes seven minutes eight minutes and that was not a good meeting because that was when we Really finally start to figure out that they that was shit. watching. oh yeah, they watch it. They they got control of those iPads. They know exactly what you're watching, when you're watching, you know, what tape you're studying. Um funny story just to finish that up. So the next week when we came in, <laughs> I mean guys had like 70 hours, 80 hours. Oh, yeah. They would plug it in and they would just yeah. hit play and let it go all night while they were asleep. <laughs> so we kind of made a mockery out of it. But getting back to Kyler Murray, look, that just tells me that but there's no way you put that clause in a contract if he has been doing all the right things and if he hasn't been doing all the right things and obviously we everybody in the world saw his mannerisms and the attitude towards the end of last season uh it's shocking to me that they would bow down to him and to his wants and basically just fold and say okay we'll give you this this contract just to keep you happy right it kind of sounds like and gosh i mean part of my language it sounds like a whiny little bitch that just keeps whining and whining and whining, and finally you just say, you just crack. As parents, we've all been there before. No, you're not having it. No, you can't have it. <laughs> After an hour, you can't take it anymore. You say, fine. Have yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> just take be the quiet, and get away from me. Be quiet, right? That kind of seems like how Kyler Murray's been acting, and I think it's embarrassing. I really do, and I, I, I told you, I stand to my statement. I mean, I, I wouldn't want that guy on my football team as of right now. Now, he's obviously a very young player, and hopefully – You know, for his sake and the Cardinals' sake, might have a wake-up call one of these days. But as of right now, is he a guy you would want on your football team, leading your team? I wouldn't. You you know, no No. thank you. So that clause to me was just, uh, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It really is. Just saying that, okay, can you, we'll pay you as long as you just watch four hours of film a week. Like you are the freaking quarterback, man. You should be logging four you're hours the standard a day. For the rest of the a day. You should be doing that a day, and you sh- you shouldn't have to have that in your contract. That would be like John. Okay, we're gonna pay you, John, but you know we want you to we want you to lift at least twenty minutes a week. Okay, right. like just we just want you to please just get in the weight room, you know. Right, we just you know like you should be doing that ready right so that that to me it was just uh i mean i saw it for the first time i think yesterday and it was just i i I laughed i thought it was embarrassing yeah
1: now tj this is the start of of training camp and we've gone through the lists of a where the talent lies you know in relation to other nfl teams for the detroit lions uh, you know, Dan Campbell ranked as a coach. We've done all of that stuff. Now we're we're finally going to get a chance to see the players on the field. We're going to start to evaluate exactly what we think this team's potential is. And there's going to be some position battles that that are waged during training camp. There are every single year. Some that we may not even know about. There could be a, a player that comes in. He just does the work, and he's developed, and he's ready to go. Um, and that would be a pleasant surprise. And it happens every single year for every single team. We don't know who that player is going to be, but there are a few positions where there's going to be a battle for the starting position. There's going to be a few more positions where there's a big-time battle for the backup position and future time with the Detroit Lions. What's And, and I think we both will probably agree on the biggest battle going on for playing time in the starting position. What do you think that number one battle's going to be?
2: Yeah, and like you said, we both agree on this. I think it's been uh, well known the last couple months through OTA's minicamp is it's, it's that linebacker spot. Uh, moving to the presumed 4-3 defense, um, you're going to have three guys standing there uh, at the 5-6 yard depth rather than two, which we saw a lot of last year. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of names up there. Um, that I think we expect when you talk about Anzalone, um, hopefully, uh, Derek Barnes taking that year two step. You talk about Jared Davis coming back and maybe, you know, this is probably a make or break year for him, but you like, take a look at the depth they have as well with uh, a lot of guys excited. You know, we, we saw a lot of press, uh, clippings, uh, this summer coming out about Malcolm Rodriguez and what he can bring to that defense. Um, you have three, probably four or five guys there, and then they, you know, they signed Chris Board from from Baltimore. That I think a lot of people, uh, he was a pleasant surprise throughout the summer, throughout the spring for them. He's a guy that's uh, going to be competing for one of those spots as well. But um, you know, it's kind of it's 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 a very important position. Obviously, um, that that position did not, I think, it's fair to say, live up to expectations last year. I didn't think Anzalone, you know, had a great year year one under uh, Dan Campbell in, in in Detroit. I didn't think that Derek Barnes was consistent enough as a rookie. Um, but you know, this is a, this is a new year. This is a new defense. This is a rejuvenated defense in my mind. A lot of young players coming in to help them. I think they got faster. I think their speed got better. I think their pass rush definitely got better, which will help that linebacker position. But uh, that will be my number one target to look for as this training camp and preseason progresses to see not only if one of those guys can stick out but what who are the really top two guys that stick out that are going to be your every down type players not just coming in on first and second down but can also coverage back cover uh cover backs out of the backfield can also cover tight ends you know in the passing game i, I i'm cuz it's kind of like one of those it feels like one of those quarterback battles where you look at carolina right now and they've got like three guys but they don't really have that guy, you know. Yeah. If you don't have one quarterback, you know. If you got two quarterbacks, you, you got you, none. You got none type. If you, you know, if you got three or four linebackers, you, you really got none. Who's going to be that guy that really sticks out that that catches our eyes throughout training camp that um, is going to lead that linebacker position because we don't know how it's going to shake out. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, but I do know that the coaching staff Aaron Glenn. Uh, Mentioned, uh, you know, just a couple months ago, how excited he was about the competition in that room. So I I hope that the not only the addition of a couple new guys, but also changing scheme a little bit to uh, allow them just to play cleaner and faster style of football. you know, we'll see which cream ends up rising to the top out of out of those. Uh, you know, five six guys that are going comp- to be competing for a lot of, lot of high end playing time.
1: Yeah, and, and I think when you're when you're talking about this battle, Alex Anzalone, obviously with his experience, um, and also being in year two of this system, uh, I expect him to have a better year than he had last year. I also think that he's probably capped out a little bit. In his, his potential. You're going to get what you get with him. But guys that I'm excited to see how they fit in the mix. Derek Barnes, you mentioned him. And it, very inconsistent last year. But you somewhat expect that from a mid-round draft pick rookie. This year, what did he do this offseason to physically prepare himself? What did he do to mentally prepare himself? The biggest jump, I think, in a player's career happens between years one and years two. Derek Barnes did get some experience last year on the field. I expect him to take steps and possibly be one of those starting linebackers this year. Uh, Two guys that I'm really interested to watch, and you mentioned both of them,
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
1: He has so far been a career special teams guy, and they've used him at times at that linebacker position, but he's coming over to a, a group that he believes he can earn more playing time. And there's nothing better for a guy's career than the motivation of, I can earn myself a starting position in the NFL. Chris Board, I think, can do that. Plus, he's one of those guys, along with Malcolm Rodriguez, that can cover backs out of the backfield. He's got more speed. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, obviously, being a former defensive back, has some of those um, techniques, has some of that, that in his past that he can rely upon. Uh, but I'm excited to see what he, how, how he can handle some of those tight ends, how he can handle some of the backs out of the backfield, how he handles the pass drops and pass coverage and increase that that speed. Those are a couple of guys I'll be having my eye on. And then we obviously, Jared Davis. like He was a first-round pick for the Lions. Things didn't work out. He signed with the Jets. Things got worse, quite honestly, with the Jets. Now he's coming back. This is... This is pretty much his last opportunity to the team that drafted him to come out here and prove that he could be an NFL linebacker. Yeah. We talk about motivation. There's nothing more motivated than, hey, my back's against the wall. If I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. Yeah. And I'm 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 curious to see how he fits into this defense and what he's going to be this year. And and I think the linebacker position is clearly where you're going to see the most movement. And you'll probably see the most movement on a daily basis. One day, Anzalone starts, and then all of a sudden, it's Chris Barnes. Uh, or I'm sorry, Derek Barnes for a couple of days, and then maybe Anzalone's back in there. And and you know, it's Board, it's Rodriguez, it's it's Jared Davis. Uh, you know, I think there's just going to be a lot of moving parts throughout the course of training camp. Um, and you mentioned the backup positions. The one that I think for me is number two. Um, is going to be the backup quarterback position. Is Tim Boyle the guy that you want going in if something happens to Jared Goff to get you out of a game, to get you through a two- or three-game stretch? We, I think we saw last year that he's probably not the guy, but last year he missed the first part of the season because he got hurt in training camp. So yeah. his progression and development in this offense was stunted a little bit. We've heard from the coaching staff that David Blau has looked extremely good, which I think that's great. Now, does it become David Blau the guy that goes in if Jared Goff goes down for a series or has to miss that the second half of a game or two or three-game stretch? Which guy gives you the best opportunity to bridge the gap for Jared Goff to be back?
2: Uh, I mean, you still think it's got to be the upper hand goes to Tim Boyle as of now just because of... How we saw things shake out last year, right? When Jared Goff went down, who stepped up? You know, it was Tim Boyle. Um, you know, he started the that was the three games. I think was against Cleveland, um, Atlanta, which you know narrowly lost to, and then uh, was the Seattle game. I believe that Jared Goff missed all mm-hmm. three of those, and uh, Tim Boyle was the guy who got the nod. And uh, was he great? No. I mean, you look at uh, the Browns game, 15-23, 77 yards, you know, no touchdowns, two picks. Uh, not good, right? Got better against Atlanta, 24-34, 187, 1-1 uh, one one with the touchdown-interception ratio. And then you look at Seattle, uh, better production as far as yardage, 262, two touchdowns, uh, still the three interceptions. But um, he was the guy that got the nod first last year I don't expect that to be any different now how much of a leap has he taken you know and essentially his year one to year two right I know he was with Green Bay for a couple years mostly mm-hmm. on the practice squad and his only game time came you know taking knees at the end of big wins in Green you Bay know. last year he got a lot of playing experience and I know uh, obviously first year in a, a different system first year coach now you're going to into year two How much of an improvement can he make? And look, I don't buy into the whole, you know, quarterbacks looking great during. You know OTAs and mini camp and even yeah. training camp. I need to see game film on those guys because look, anybody can. <laughs> when you know you're not going to get hit, it changes your mindset a little bit in yeah. practice, right? When you get into those games, how are you playing under fire? How are you playing when you know you're about to get decked right in the chest, <laughs> right? And uh, those those that's that's going to be a bigger indication of who's going to have that lead once we get into the preseason games, obviously. But um, I think right now, I, I look, it's. <laughs> It's still an open competition. It always is. I think for every team finding that backup spot, um, there's not a high level of concern. I would say with Jared Goff's health, although you know we did see him miss a few games last season. I, I don't think that he's been labeled a guy that you know necessarily have to be worried about injury concerns. But obviously, that number two quarterback uh, is still big for majority of the teams. And I think that look as of right here, right now, uh, Tim Boyle probably has a slight lead.
1: He might. Um, and we'll see how it all plays out. Like you said, it's the game film, and they're going to get plenty of that in their three preseason games. Uh, and so today, as, as we start training camp, we're talking about the position battles that are going to be waged for the Detroit Lions as they prepare for this football season. You and I both agree linebacker is probably the one where we're going to see the most movement, the most uh, competition. And it's not necessarily high-level competition, but right. it is competition for who's going to get those reps come game time in the regular season. My number two battle is the backup quarterback position. What, in your estimation, is the is the 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 battle that you're looking at that we haven't discussed yet?
2: I think uh, you know, sticking with defense, we'll just go with the secondary. Uh, you can kind of lump safeties and corners in together. Corners being probably number one, uh, meaning that you know, who are the day one starters? I think you really have one of them um, with Amani with Amani O. Not going to try to butcher his last name like I have. Thousands of time on the radio, (laughs) but uh, he's really penciled in as your number one. And and who's behind him? Who's the number two guys? Jeff Okuda uh, going to finally, uh, you know, come in health. Hopefully he comes in healthy now. I I think all reports are he's probably expected to, you know, start day one of camp ready to go. Uh, We'll see. Um, Is he finally going to be that guy that can be your everyday, uh, you know, maybe even number one corner? Number, number one, him and Amanio, right? Number one, number two. But we all know in this league, you got to have four or five of those guys. Uh, Jerry Jacobs coming in off an injury. I thought he had a really, really, really good year last year for, uh, especially an undrafted type guy, A.J. Parker, same boat. Um, where does he fit into the equation? Um, you know, a couple other guys that have kind of been dangling a little bit onto the uh, roster, you know, bottom-end guys. Will Harris, I thought, when they moved him to corner last year, did some nice things. Uh, Bobby Price did a few nice things. And did I miss something? Because looking at the Lions roster now, they have uh, a Fatou Malafan, who listed as a safety. Was that was that a move that was made prior? Because I just, I literally just clicked on it, and I was looking at the corners, and I couldn't find Iffy anywhere. And, and they have him listed as a safety. So maybe that's a switch that... Maybe it's a typo. I don't know if we just missed something. Yeah, I I
1: think they're going to try some guys out. And don't be surprised. I I think Jeff Okuda um, will get every opportunity that he should be given uh, in training camp here at the corner position. If it doesn't work out, I think that would be a good move for him as well, Yeah, moving to that safety position. Maybe they've already moved Ife um, over there. As you start getting down the list of position battles, you start talking about you know positions that we know are very solid, like O line. Yeah, uh, I think is is a solid position. Um, wide receiver, I think the top three or four are pretty well determined. Uh, but when you start thinking about okay, who is the seventh or eighth guy? on that offensive line that earns a roster spot? Who's receiver five or six that earns a roster spot? Who in your mind for that offensive line position is in a battle for six or seven uh, on the roster?
2: Well, I think, uh, like you said, the starting five there, that's that's probably the one position on the team you know exactly who's going to be lining up (laughs) when and where, right? But uh, you obviously need to have uh, a backup center Um, That's a no-brainer. Evan Brown, I think, is obviously pretty much locked in. Showed that Uh, last year. Showed it last year. Played uh, really, really solid football for the time that he had to come in and play. Um, Not a lot of, really not a lot of negative to his game. So he's going to be, in my mind, that sixth guy. Um, When you look at tackle, just going off of guys that are still here from last year, you know, Matt Nelson played a lot of football. Uh, had a couple starts, and, you know, even they loved him bringing him in in the big uh, package with uh, extra old linemen yep. as, a six ty- or as a second tight end t- style uh, player. Um, you know, but Dan Skipper's a guy that I think has really – Proven himself the last couple of years to be just a mauling type guy, and he's had really unfortunate luck. I think he got hurt, you know, in the third preseason game last year. He was a guy that they were really excited about last year, and ended up being on the practice squad a little bit. I think him and Matt Nelson have a lot of similar qualities in their style of play, so that might be a battle. And then, obviously, if you look at interior guys, um, look, I mean, Logan Stenberg going into year three, right? I think he was a fourth or fifth round draft pick a couple of years ago. Right? Kind of the make or break time for him, you know, to show that maybe you can't push, you know, Jonah and and Big Vitai for a starting spot, but you can show you have enough value to at least be that top interior backup. Um, Because last year, when we saw, you know, Vitai and Jonah miss some time, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't him going in. It was Tommy Tommy Kramer, who was a rookie, Mm -hmm. undrafted guy. So Tommy Kramer, uh, Matt Nelson, and Evan Brown for me, uh, probably little, just very similar to last year I think would probably be as of right now day one to open up camp your top three backups along that offensive line position
1: yeah and and just to touch on the receiver position uh, it, a lot of this will depend on the availability of Jamison Williams right when he's available when he's not but if if you're going in thinking hey Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Shark, Jamison Williams, Josh Reynolds You start to think, okay, well, who's how many receivers are they going to keep? They're going to keep five, they're going to keep six. What value do some of those guys bring on special teams? You start to look at Quintus Cephas, Khalif Raymond, and Trinity Benson. Now, we've heard a lot about Trinity Benson this offseason. I think he'll be uh, featured uh, in a tremendous. Uh, amount on hard knocks because we've heard the coaches talk about him when hard knocks was in they saw him in training in in mini camp they thought hey, this could be a guy that that takes a step forward trinity benson that is yeah okay um and so i think you're looking at those guys at tom kennedy i know he made the team last year um and as an outlier could be a guy that you know could add depth to that position. But I think when you're talking about receivers 5, 6, you're looking at Quintus Cephas, who was starting to come on last year yeah. until he got hurt. Khalif Raymond, Trinity Benson, Tom Kennedy. How those four receivers play during practice, play during preseason games, I think that's going to be a battle um, to see who ends up making this roster. I think it's going to be a very tight battle um, yeah. for that five and six position.
2: Yeah, it definitely will. And Quintes Cephas, probably uh, the biggest uh, playmaking threat out of those, you know, three or four guys you mentioned. I know there was a lot of frustration last year with Trinity Benson and, um, you know, where, where did he come from? Was it the Denver. trade with Denver? Right. Yeah. And, you know, he gave up, I think a fifth and maybe a seventh. And I think people expected a lot more production out of him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, could probably say, I think it's fair to say, was disappointing for the most part, uh, especially with the lack of playmakers they had on the outside, yeah. and he still couldn't really find a way to, you know, get into that system and make a make an impact. Um, so he's going to have a lot to prove, I think, with, with, but what ultimately comes down with those guys, look, you know your top four, right? At least you're top three. We talked about DJ Shark. We talked about Amon Ross St. Brown, and you talk about, you know, time will tell, but a healthy Jamison Williams. The other guys are going to have to prove where they're going to earn their spot is on special teams, Mm -hmm. right? That's just how they're going to earn it. And I think Quintez Cephas, um, you know, probably has a lead just off the way that we saw him produce last year when he was healthy and uh, playmaking style, um, not a burner, not a really big framed body, but – uh, made a ro- really a lot of a lot of really nice plays, and he's got that just natural ability to come down with the ball that we really haven't seen from the other guy. So when you talk about that fifth, maybe sixth wide receiver spot, a lot of that's going to come down to um, you know their value on special teams as well. And we saw a lot of that with Khalif Raymond last year. Uh, you know, wasn't overly productive on offense, but you know did show some big play. Uh, playmaking ability when it came to the special teams, especially the return game.
1: Well, here on Necessary Roughness, we know that the Lions uh, veterans are reporting today. Uh, first practice will be tomorrow. We're going to be down at Allen Park uh, over the next few weeks to make sure that we give you all the information, all the the developments in the position battles, the injuries, what what we're hearing from the coaches. Um, for all of that information, make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you like, subscribe. You want to get all of the information as soon as we give it to you, and so that it's in your inbox, it's wherever you listen to your to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe because we're. We're going to give you all that information right here, unnecessary roughness.